It's not beautiful. That is uh, the overture to Ruslan and Ludmila by Glinka. Um, pretty good piece of music. Um, Glinka, the Glinka, Glinka, Glinka. Um, anyway, welcome back to the Michael Blum Show. Feel free to give us a call. The number here is uh, 800-699-0980. Again, 800-699-0980. I was able to find that song. I don't know, it slipped my memory. It's a beautiful song by the Beatles. Um, I hate to say one of my favorites because it's usually like every single song that they do is one of my favorites of theirs. Uh, it's called In My Life. And this is dedicated to the, uh, to the students at Parkland. And I can't play it for you because copyright, uh, for copyright pur uh, purposes, it's not allowed. But I think I can say some of the lyrics. Um, and it's from the song again, Beatles in My Life. There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed. Some forever, not for better. Some have gone and some remain. All these places have their moments with lovers and friends I still can recall. Some are dead and some are living. In my life, I've loved them all. And there's more verses to the tune, obviously, but um, that was rather emotional. And that was phenomenal. This was not a group of people just yakking on the stage and, and talking. This was people using their art um, as an expression of sympathy and of uh, acknowledgement about this uh, horrific thing that happened. Very, very different than what I saw on the uh, Academy Awards. And it didn't surprise me either. Um, but we are making some headway here. You know, I talked uh, maybe two weeks ago about the, uh, the shootings. Now, I don't know if this is actual still national news. In the news cycle here in Florida, this is still up there. Um, so that's why some of this show, again, is going to be uh, not a repeat because things are, you know, are progressing. And um, Parkland, such a beautiful little place, uh, I would uh, really prefer it to be the place that becomes known as the one that actually created change. Because quite honestly, since Columbine, there has been zero, and I mean zero, attempt to go ahead and secure schools. You can't bring a goddamn bottle of water on a plane. But you can be a nut job and just walk into a school and shoot people. And of course, the answer is get rid of guns. The people that, uh, that are the ones that basically use them the safest, the uh, Americans that follow the law, the NRA, those folks, they're the enemy. They're bad. Just go ahead and get rid of that amendment and the whole world will be better. Well, no, not really. I mean, first thing Hitler did when he came into power was to disarm the populace. And it worked out too well for the Jews who just got thrown out of their homes and houses and had no way of defending themselves. It didn't work out well. Now... It's a little bit different. You do have people, leftists now, screaming to go ahead and do that. So the people actually want it. But let's face it, Hitler was elected by the people. So sometimes the people get it horrifically wrong. And um, and there's, uh, there's no easy way about it. But if you're waiting for the Second Amendment to be changed and uh, to have a constitutional amendment or get rid of something out of the Bill of Rights, you're going to be waiting a long time. And we're going to have a whole bunch more kids die. Instead, we really should be concentrating on other things. And uh, there's a gentleman, he looks so familiar to me, it's almost like I may have gone to school and knew him. And he's the father of one of the kids in uh, Parkland, and he's made it his mission to go ahead and, and do some stuff. And I think you ought to listen to this. 
The Florida Senate will vote today on a bill to tighten gun laws in the state after the massacre that killed 17 students and teachers nearly three weeks ago. The proposal raises the age to buy a gun to 21 years old, bans bump stocks, and gives districts the option to arm teachers who would be trained to carry a firearm. The Senate rejecting a ban on assault weapons. Joining me now is Andrew Pollack, who lost his daughter Meadow in the attack. Thanks for joining us again today. Hey, good morning. Uh, so you're I'd like to get a word out. I just want everyone that believes in my crusade and wants to help to follow me at RememberMeadow.com, RememberMeadow.com. Okay, and, go ahead. Meadow, of course, your, your daughter, and it is. Uh, and, and I'm glad you brought and that up on the top daughter. because it's so important not to forget uh, every single life that I'm not going to forget. You, that is for sure. This has uh, understandably changed. Uh, the trajectory of your life. One of the things that I know is most important to you now is school safety. So as we look at this uh, at this proposal in Florida today that is expected to pass, does it do enough for you in terms of school safety? Yes, it does. I went over it. Uh, the proposal that Rick Scott put together, uh, it's going to help. It's going to help the state. It's going to help all the kids, and we're going to take it. We're going to set the example in Florida so other states could follow. That's why, to me, it's so important that this bill gets passed. And do you believe I it don't want to stop in Florida. I'm not going to be the parent that stopped. I'm going to be the parent that's going to take it from here to the Pacific Coast. I'm, I'm never going to quit until every governor knows how important this is to me and how I have to feel every single day that my kid's gone. What is it specific? They're going to feel the pain. And what is it, Andrew, specifically in terms of the measures here that you believe is making schools safer and that you want to see replicated in other states? Okay, there's like a three parts to the bill. One part of the bill gives the police the authority to confiscate a weapon if, if they think the person's acting irrationally. So they'll say you, you get a, you call, you, you look outside and your neighbor's acting nutty. You'll be able to call the police department. They could go out. They could evaluate this person. They'll be able to Baker Act this person, and then they could search his house, and they'll be able to take his weapons from him. They were, they didn't have that ability before, mm -hmm. so that's that's one of the measures that's very important. A big part of the bill is mental illness. Uh, talking, uh, they'll be able to connect. The teachers are going to be connected and to communicate with the police department, DCF, and they're going to have counselors in each school working together to to find kids that have problems before something like this happens. That's very important. And, you know, people don't talk about it. They're going to be able to help these people from hurting themselves also and hurting others. In terms of That's another part of the bill. In terms of reaching out for in, in terms of mental illness. Um, as you know, over, over the weekend, uh, the part of the proposal to ban assault weapons uh, was rejected. One of the students at Parkland tweeting, that it breaks her heart, but we will not let this ruin our movement, saying this is for the kids, never again. What's your reaction well, right to there, that? Right there, it should tell them, I'd like to talk to the kids. I, uh, I understand their pain, the children, but that's an example where their efforts are going in the wrong direction right at this moment. My kid was murdered in that school, so there's no one that could feel the way I've, I do. So I understand the children. And just by them seeing that that didn't work, I want them to focus their energy on something that's achievable right now. Be productive in the country. Work with us. Let's make these schools safe. And once every school's safe in America, do what you have to with the gun laws. Do I, I got no problem with these kids going out and marching every day against guns. 
But right now, the focus for these kids and the parents of these kids to talk to them. Let's make the school safe. That, that's what we need to do right now. So I, the, the kids are going to school Monday. The kids are going to go to school. Are they safe? What, what do, the judge, when the judge goes to, to work, does he, is he worried about someone coming in with guns? No, because they can't get in. When you go on a plane, you're not worried someone's going to come in and shoot you. So I'm here. I just want all kids to feel that safe. I want them to feel safe like the judge in the courtroom or like the politician when he walks into the federal building. We owe it to our kids for them to be as safe as, as uh, who I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I know, as, as you've said, you believe we, that the starting place should be school safety moving on from there. You've also said you don't feel it's achievable to get any federal law changes. So that's why that's your focus. You have spoken with the president, well, right, though. I, it might be achievable down the road, but the battle right now is our schools being safe. And I think that's achievable at the moment. You have we need to spoken be the, with the first community that gets out there. And in terms of, of getting that done, you've spoken with the president. You have implored him to act. How is the president helping you when it comes to school safety? What are you hearing from him in terms of a promise of help? Well, he listened to me, but, the, but it's not up to him right now. It's mm -hmm. up to us, the parents, the grandparents. We need to act. We, we don't need him. We could do it ourselves. But he's there. He's listening. Uh, I really appreciate him. He had my family. Uh, we've been to the White House twice. My, uh, he flew us all in. We met with him one-on-one. -on -one. He heard, you know, he was a concerned. I met with him as a concerned parent mm -hmm. or grand, grandfather. So he's listening and he's watching what's going on in Florida. And, I, and I'm going to reach out to him again once this bill gets passed. And would you welcome his support after that? You're saying that you don't really need him right now. His support obviously welcome, as you mentioned. But is there more you think he oh, could do course. to help you and what you would like to see be done? Uh, like I, I was raised, my father always taught me, if you want something done, you do it yourself. And that's how I, I lived my whole life. So I'm out there doing it, and I know the president has my back. He... he uh, We've been, like I said, we've been there twice. Mm -hmm. He's waiting to see what happens in Florida. I got things going on. I got a lot of things happening. And we're not going to stop. And, and we need everyone just to group together. It's not about a political party. It's not about, it's just about one party uniting the parents, the grandparents, the kids. We need mm -hmm. the kids on board. With and them, it's, it's achievable quicker. Andrew Pollack, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you. All right, thanks. I think that guy got it right, 100%. 100% right. There are things you can do immediately to go ahead and secure schools. You know, it's funny. I mentioned that concert I went to. Well, you know, you stood there. People got, went into your bags and looked at all the ladies' bags, and men too, if they happen to have these, you know, whatever they carry. Um, we were wanded by that, that metal detector wand. And this is to go and see a Beatles tribute band. More security there. Way more security there, unfortunately, than than than, this, than the schools would have. It's pretty crazy, um, but that's uh, that's uh, where we where we live. That's where we live right now, um, and it's. I really am hoping. I really am hoping that we get this right because so many people think so many crazy things. And I read a couple of articles that basically said, "Well, the reason why you're having these issues is because of male toxicity." In other words, if you're an alpha male, that's no good. 
you know, uh, you have this a proclivity toward these things. Um, I got to read a, a little bit from this article. Um, who did the article here? It was is from USA Today. Alan uh, um, Das Dastiger, something like that. Dastiger, and it actually, basically, it says that the guns are not the problem. It's that boys, men, are broken. That's the issue. It's male toxicity. It's men that are doing this. This and this is the issue. This is the the, the real issue. It's not a matter of gun control. It's not a matter of school safety. It's it's just that it's men. I don't know what they want to do, wipe out half the race, the human race. It'd be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, kind of end, thing, end, the, end the male toxicity thing. And, and a lot of people really, really take this nonsense seriously. It's crazy. Uh, it says that there's something going on with American men that gives them the permission and the space to commit violence. Of course, again, this is the first thing that they would do to go ahead and protect themselves, these folks probably, would be to go ahead and get some alpha male with a gun to go ahead and help them. But that's okay. It's men that have the problem. And uh, the, one of the main things we focus on correctly is guns and mental health. But I think there's a deeper problem than that. It's a crisis, which everything in the left is a crisis uh, of, of, it's a crisis in masculinity. That's what it is. Now, that's an interesting thing to say. But, you know, I, I, I really think it's a respectfully said that it's it's very, very bad to go ahead and confuse a small number of lunatic, uh, sociopathic men with the majority of healthy men in the, in the United States, you know. Um, let's see. Someone actually said something, for, made a comment here. Boys are broken because every time a male screws up, people attribute that violence to, a, to the entire male sex. Think of what that mentally does to uh, to impressionable young boys. Uh, someone else's reaction to it, um, and there are people who point all this stuff out. And it's funny that they point this out with with. <laughs> you know, I keep on thinking back to the Oscars here. So it says here things in our culture, from toys to movies, or the messages basically of being violent. Now, who creates all those movies? Those horribly violent, and they are. Who loves the violence and the sex? And that would be the folks that were at that Oscars uh, celebration of their self, patting themselves on the head and saying, what a great little millionaire I am. Let's throw some hot dogs at the peons. Um, you know, if you listen to this show like in a year from now and you hear that out of context, you have no idea what, what I'm talking about. You may not even have any idea what I'm talking about right now. I, I have no idea. I have no idea what you think. Why don't you give me a call and you can tell me. And that would be 800-699-0980. Um, but, you know, the whole thing, be a man. Well, being a man to me is just being responsible for what you do, being a good individual. Um, that's, that's, if I had to sum it up, that would be basically what it would be for me. Um, I do have some of that older school where I feel I have to provide. And um, I think that's very good. You know, I think that's very, very good. Um, it isn't easy to be a man in the United States. There are hard demands on men too, you know, the protector, the provider, uh, respond to situations. If there's a bad knock at the door, my wife doesn't expect to go up and see what's going on. She sends the man, she sends the penis to go ahead and do it. That's what goes on with all that. And, uh, you know, I wish that this kind of stuff was kind of really not happening too much, but it is. I, I found this very, very interesting. This is, I don't know if I'll play the whole thing, but this is another small clip, I think, about male toxic. This shows you how certain people think. It's crazy. Devin Kelly was a violent, unstable, mentally ill person. He savagely beat his wife and stepson. He killed the animals, tortured them. 
He decided to shoot up a church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. It was a horrifying decision, but probably not that surprising. Some people are unsatisfied with that explanation, though, just because he was deranged doesn't mean that's why he did it. Well, Drexel professor George Ciarello Marr says that a key professor here. the attack is Kelly's This is a race. educating your children. In a radio interview, the professor said that, quote, whiteness has a, quote, institutional apparatus that encourages white men to feel as though they're on the losing side of history. That makes them feel like victims and causes them to, quote, lash out by committing mass murder. Huh. It's a strange claim, but the really strange thing is how this same professor explains blame. Keep in mind, we've had him on the show, and he's the one who just last year tweeted out he was hoping for white genocide for Christmas, espousing violence himself. Huh. We'll hope we'll come back to explain. Not everybody thinks race is what causes shootings. Some think it's gender that does it. A professor at Cutstown University in the state of Pennsylvania says the biggest thing to blame for the spate of mass shootings we've seen recently is something called toxic masculinity. Colleen Clemens teaches women's and gender studies, needless to say. And shortly after the Sutherland Springs shootings tweeted this, quote, toxic masculinity is killing everyone. Repeat, toxic masculinity is killing everyone. Repeat, toxic masculinity is killing everyone. Repeat, we could go on. But there are only a certain number of characters allowed in a tweet. Kathy Aru is the founding publisher of Catalina Magazine. She joins us tonight. So, Kathy, we, we asked the professor to come on. She sent right. us a very long and actually very nice email saying that she feared for her safety and couldn't come on. Oh. You were brave enough to do so. Uh, tell us, if you would, if you know the answer, what is toxic masculinity? How do you catch it? What's the cure? Well, according to the professor's article, toxic masculinity is the man's fear that he's losing his power. And because minorities and women are taking uh, higher positions and they have more power, that white men and men in general are afraid that they're going to lose their strength and their virility, and therefore they are causing the mass shootings and lashing out. Well, so it's kind of both ways. So what you have is a situation where the entire kind of fashionable culture in America attacks one group relentlessly. And then if they don't like it, that's a problem too. And then if there's a shooting committed by someone who looks that way, that's the result of them. I mean, this is kind of a, a nonsense theory, isn't it? Maybe the guy committed a mass shooting because he was crazy or he had some kind of other animus. Does it right. have to be because of his gender? Yes. I mean, if you look at it, yes, men are more violent than women. Of the mass shootings we've had in the last 25 years, 88 have been by men, two have been by women. So we definitely have a problem with men in this country. Men well, are confused. committing the murders. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's, that, well, that is true, of course. Men commit the overwhelming majority of violent crimes. And but crimes. I thought men and women were exactly the same. I mean, I'm kind of losing track of my feminist orthodoxies here, and I think some of them may be on a collision course about to hit each other. So men and women are exactly the same. You can transition from one to the other by snapping your fingers, and everyone has to believe that that's real. But they're totally different, which is true. Women are better, unfortunately. We are oh. not the murderers of our society. We are not committing the crimes. We commit less than 20% of the crimes. Who raises exactly. men in the United States? As good as women. Who raises men in the United States? So what about all, men yeah. who transition to it? So if a man says, if he's got the terrible case of toxic masculinity. Yes. He's on his deathbed dying from toxic masculinity. Right. And he says, bam, I'm a woman now. Does it cure him? 
Well, I would hope so. He would be the better gender. So I would okay, hope but, so. Okay. Does any of this strike you as not, sir? Are you, are you actually kind of tracking with this and nodding in agreement? No, I completely agree. If you look at it, it doesn't matter what race they are, doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter what country. Men mm. are committing most of the crimes and most of the murders. There is a huh. problem with men. And, and no one can quite figure it out. Is it the testosterone? Is it that they feel less empowered? Is, are the minorities, are the women taking over too much and they are afraid of this? Is, is, that there, the is there an upside to masculinity? So let's say a, a hostile power tries to invade the country and, you know, burn your house and kill the livestock and carry your women off over their shoulder or whatever. Is it, is it, that's the point when you'd want to have some toxic masculinity around, right? Well, actually, it's funny, I actually have two cadets from West Point in my studio right now watching. And I asked them in the commercial break, I hope you guys have a lot of toxic masculinity because the whole point is to go kill people to, in order to protect us. That's a good use of toxic masculinity. Well, you know? right. Her article said that not all men suffer from this. So that she did say that in her article, in, um, Ms. Clemens, the professor, said in her article, but the men that do have it are dangerous, and these are the ones committing the crimes. So, yeah, it's huh. wonderful that we have these guys that are protecting our country, these wonderful men and women who are protecting our country, but those who have this toxic masculinity are committing crimes. These mass is murders a, are is non Is there a measure? Is there some kind of like swab or blood test that can tell me if my masculinity is getting to dangerous levels? No, I, unfortunately, I think it's too late. I think it's, it's when too the late. mass murders it's occur. Yes. So if there's toxic masculinity, that suggests the polar, right? The toxic femininity. What would that look like? Well, and how sugar and spice and everything nice. I mean, that's what it's like to be a girl. But boys will be boys. And that's what we're raising. We're raising boys that think that they should be more powerful and stronger. That's what the professor was saying. Maybe we're just not raising them right. Why right. are women no, but you're supposed not answering to be nonviolent? Okay, but is there such a thing as toxic femininity? No. Can you be too feminine? Oh, you, you, no. you, you can be way too masculine. We do no wrong. But you can't women be do too no feminine. wrong. The numbers right. prove it. The statistics prove it. Women that do not do sound wrong. Like to me exactly. What? That it's sounds like fact. kind of the 19th century understanding of of women. No, it's just a Again, fact. You're women are responsible. Me women are okay. responsible. We're not killing, we're not committing crimes. We're just the smarter gender. Huh. Let me ask you one last question. Yeah. If if men are this huge problem and they're like overbearing and they're just too masculine. Some, yeah. Then why does every measure show that young women are outstripping young men in achievement? They graduate from college in much higher numbers, they get right. high school too. They have actually they make a little more for their first jobs, right. they kill themselves less, they die from less often from drug ODs. Why is that? If men are keeping women down, why are women doing so much better than men in this country? Well, women are doing so well, and that's what's causing the toxic masculinity. They're not happy about it, and that's why the murders have gone up since 2011. We've so had I more wonder, has shootings. it occurred to you maybe to help instead of browbeating men and like mocking them for being less We're powerful not mocking. and saying, well, sure, Unfortunately, of course you are. And you've got tenured are... losers like this woman we are quoting from Clutztown University or whatever it's called saying, ah, you know, men are horrible. Shouldn't women be helping men to be better? I think women are, but the way they're being raised, maybe it's a way, maybe it's just too late by the time we get them. We need to okay. raise them right. Boys right. can't well, be boys. They get them at birth. To it's to too late. Kathy, thank you. Thanks. Wow, what a freaking nut job, huh? Um, but anyway, there are a lot of people who believe this kind of crap, and this is what's being taught to your children. Uh, and you know, children nowadays are not taught; they're just indoctrinated into nonsense thinking. So you could be a toxic man and then say, "Today I'm a woman," and then you're all right. And this doesn't strike this particular person as that being kind of nuts or kind of crazy. Um, 
you know, uh, what can you say? What can you do? You know, it's crazy. Um, uh, the toxic masculinity aside, school security is important. And uh, there are so many things that you could learn from Parkland. Um, unfortunately, it's like, it's, it reminds me of, I used to get, there was this book I had in high school called, the uh, I think it was called The Essentials of English. And they would give like, uh, sometimes write up a paragraph and it would be a, a terrible paragraph. And the idea would be, don't write like this. You know, it was like a, an example of how things should not be. This whole thing with Parkland is an example of how things should not be. From four uh, sheriffs uh, or deputy sheriffs standing down, not allowing medical personnel to go in. I mean, why would they do that? You know, I always think in the private sector, when people are acting crazy, it's usually due to drugs and alcohol. If it's political in any way, which this is, unfortunately, because everything is nowadays, you can't even watch entertainment on TV like the Oscars. It's a political statement. Um, and this is, this is also a political statement. When, when politics gets nuts, the thing that's usually behind that is not drugs, a different drug. It's called money. And, um, it was crazy to me that, um, the, what, what, what went on with uh, the Broward County Sheriff, who's still in office for some reason, you know, all of these people are still there. This is why things never change because no one ever moves their ass and does anything about it. You know, I mean, this guy should have resigned. He did not. He's still there. Um, the only one scapegoat they made was that uh, the, the school guy who uh, thought that this was a problem with the perimeter of the building and nothing was happening inside. So I, I, I don't know. So you get four cops standing outside while this lunatic goes ahead and kills children. And then when uh, medical help comes in, they're told you can't enter uh, the building, let's just let them bleed to death. Why would that happen? It would seem to be nuts. So I looked around and looked around and uh, this, um, there was actually an act that was passed in Broward County involved all the schools called the Promise Act. And the Promise Act is very interesting. It explains some lunatic crap like this. Is a crime. On November 30th, fewer than three months ago, your office received a call from a tipster explicitly saying that the that Cruz could be a, quote, school shooter in the making. According to notes released on that call, no report was even initiated. At this point, sir, do you understand how the public, seeing red flag after red flag after red flag, warning after warning after warning, they hear that your office didn't even initiate a report when they got a call saying that this guy could be a school shooter in the making? How could there not even be a report on this one? Well, if, the, if that's accurate, Jake, there, were, there, there needed to be a report, and that's what we're looking into, that a report needed to be uh, completed. It needed to be forwarded to our either Homeland Security or, or Violent Crimes Unit, and, and they would have followed up that's on it. That's from your notes. That's from notes released by your office. I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is from Broward. No, and that's, and that's what that the, the officer who handled that is on restrictive duty and we are, that's an active internal investigation and we are looking into it. I can't tell you, I, I can't predict how an investigation is going, but we have, I've exercised my due diligence. I've led this county proudly as I always have. We, we have restricted that deputy as we look into it. You know, uh, you know their the deputies make mistakes, police officers make mistakes, we all make mistakes, but it's not the responsibility of the general or the president if you have a deserter. You look into this, we're looking into this aggressively, and uh, we'll, we'll take care of it and justice will be served. 
Are you really not taking any responsibility for the multiple red flags that were brought to the attention of the Broward Sheriff's Office about this shooter before the incident, whether it was people near him, close to him, calling the police Jake, Jake, I could Jake, I could only take responsibility for what I about. I exercise my, my due diligence. I've given amazing leadership to this agency. Amazing leadership? Uh, I've worked. Yes, Jake. Uh, this is, there's, there's a lot of things we've done throughout this. Uh, this is uh, you, you don't uh, measure uh, a person's leadership by a deputy not going into a these deputies received the training they needed. Maybe they you measure somebody's leadership by whether or not they protect the community in this case. You've listed 23 incidents before the shooting involving the shooter, and still nothing was done to keep guns out of his hands, to make sure that there were, the school was protected, to make sure you were keeping an eye on him. Your deputy at the Jay school Gunn, failed. See, I don't understand how you can sit there and claim amazing see, leadership. Jake, on 16 of those cases, our deputies did everything right. Our deputies have done amazing things. Uh, we've taken this uh, in the five years I've been sheriff. We've taken the Broward Sheriff's Office to a new level. I work with some of the bravest people I've ever met. Uh, one person at, at this point, one person didn't do what he should have done. He, uh, it, it's horrific. The victims here, uh, the, the families, I pray for them every night. It, 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 it makes me sick to my stomach that we had a deputy didn't go in. Because I know if I was there, if I was on that wall, I would have been the first I, then. I think there are a lot of people, sir, who think that they're... Just absolute nonsense and bullshit. This guy is a political hack. He's uh, voted in. The sheriffs have voted in. Uh, this uh, Broward County, you have to understand, is a very big Democratic base. Um, and he was voted in there. And um, he shouldn't be there anymore. But there are a lot of people on the left side that shouldn't be there anymore. But they are, because there's two sets of rules. One's for them, and one's for those other commoners like us. Um, so anyway, uh, why is this? Why is this all happening? And basically... Um, there was a, an Obama initiative, uh, I think in 2015, uh, called the Promise Act. And basically what that said is that said that they're tired of having schools become a pipeline for prison sentences. So um, I'll read you a couple of things from it, and maybe you can understand why nothing happened. Okay, It doesn't forgive anything, but it, you can understand why and nothing happened. Basically, this is all signed off by just about every single uh, uh, community and uh, city within Broward County. Um, uh, this, all, all of the school superintendents of all of those places all signed off on this because they were going to get grant money um, from the federal government. It, basically, they could reduce the amount of students that wind up in prisons. So I'll read you some of these. This is the first whereas. The parties acknowledge. I'm going to move this out of the way here if I can. Yes. Okay. Whereas the parties acknowledge that law enforcement plays an essential role in maintaining safety in the community. However, the use of arrests and referrals to the criminal justice system may decrease a student's chance of graduation, entering higher education, joining the military, and getting a job. So you see that if you arrest these kids for breaking the law, it might affect their future. Shocking! So basically, let them get away with whatever sh crap they're doing, uh, because if you arrest them, it's not going to be good for them in the future. Okay, so that's one of the whereases in this. Okay, and here's another whereas. 
Whereas, this is the third one in the list, whereas across the country, students of color, students with disabilities, and LGBTQRXPLMNOP students are disappropriately uh, impacted by school-based arrests for the same um, behavior as their peers. So basically, give minorities and all of these other people a, a free ride. Basically what it's saying, they can get a free ride because uh, they seem to commit more crimes than everyone else. So you know what you do with, uh, with a group of people that commits more crimes than everyone else? You ignore that fact. You don't deal with that fact. Because that would be something you would actually have to work on and accomplish. And government never does that. Okay, so that's one of the other whereas is in this. And there's another one here. It says, uh, the Federal Every, uh, Every Student Succeeds Act. Every student succeeds. In my life, it was some students didn't. Including student, student support academic enrichment grants to support designing and, implement, and implementing of a locally tailored plan to reduce exclusionary disciplinary uh, practices in elementary and secondary schools. Strategies aligned with long-term prison reduction via opportunities, mentoring, uh, intervention, support, and other educational services. So in other words, grants are being given to these schools. They're going to make money on it if they don't go ahead and arrest kids that ought to be. Okay, um, and this is another fun one I liked. Uh, I think I stopped after this because I was starting to like it nauseous. Um, this is another one of the whereases in here. It says the Florida legislation encourages schools to use alternatives to expulsion or referral to law enforcement agencies. So you're supposed to use alternatives uh, by addressing disruptive behavior through restitution, a civil citation, teen court, neighborhood uh, restorative justice, or similar programs. Uh, the zero tolerance policies are not intended to be rigorously applied. So, <laughs> so zero tolerance, which I thought meant rigorous, rigorously applied. Well, this whereas here in this promise act um, says basically that that, um, that zero, zero tolerance policies are not intended to be rigorously applied to petty acts of misconduct and misdemeanors, including but not lim limited to minor fights or disturbances. Um, so your zero tolerance for things is just a waste of time because it may not be zero tolerance at all. Um, and this is their misdemeanors. This is the, in other words, these are the things that you should that used to you used to call the police about in schools if they were happening, but you no longer do because of the Promise Act. Uh, disrupting or interfering with school functions, theft of less than $300, vandalism of less than $1,000, disorderly conduct, trespassing, criminal mischief, and that has its own set of wonderful definitions, gambling, harassment, incidents relating to alcohol, possession of pot, Possession of drug paraphernalia, and my favorite one here, which is listed as a misdemeanor, is threats and obstructing justice without violence, threats. So basically, if your kid says, I'm going to kill everyone in the school, that's a threat, and that's a misdemeanor, and therefore it's covered under the Promise Act, and you don't need to do anything about it. There are always reasons why some of these nutty things happen. Things usually just don't happen to happen. Uh, I mean, that does occur every now and then, but the, this kid who killed all these people, he was, uh, he was screaming for help for like a year. So it didn't just happen to happen. It happened for a reason. 
because of the ignorance of the people surrounding this child. And the government is way, way full of it and, f and absolutely uh, for that, it seems. Um, that's why nothing has been done since Columbine. And you can listen to, and I had a video I played, uh, I think, a show or two ago about all the past presidents uh, and how horrible these situations were, but zero has been done. Zero. I'm hoping that uh, Andrew Pollack, the father from uh, Parkland, is going to start to get some stuff done for real. That would be a real nice change. Um, real nice change for everyone. Um, I think what we're going to do is I'm going to conclude a little bit early today. Um, it's... Uh, it's a little after 10. I've been talking here for about an hour by myself. Feel free to give me a call. That would extend the show a little bit. It would be 800-699-0980. 800 699 You know, the left claims to care about kids. They don't. They care about their power, their glory, and being reelected. They don't really care about anything else. The kids are all liberal. They've been indoctrinated. So the government, the left of the government, considers them a bought and paid for commodity already. And they need to do nothing for them anymore. They look at the black community the same way. I mean, you had Obama, the first uh, uh, black president for eight years, did zero or zip or almost nothing for the black community at all, other than give them the, that esprit that it was that it was the first black president. Um, but other than that, there's nothing. I look at some of the crime statistics, and in one month, in one month, if you look at the people who were murdered in, uh, in Chicago, St. Louis, and Baltimore, you get about 120 dead kids a month. Who's talking about that? Nobody. No one really gives a crap about them. Because, as far as the left is concerned, they're a bought commodity. They're voting Democratic, period. That's all they give a damn about. And that's how it is with everything. Uh, you could offer them, uh, make every illegal uh, immigrant in this country a, a citizen with full rights, except they can't vote for 20 years, and they would not accept that. Because they don't really give a crap about them either. They want to just increase their voting base. And it's on that sad note. I hate to end on a sad note like that, but... That is unfortunately where we're at right now. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. And as I usually will say in most of my shows to end them up is uh, basically that everything in life for you is possible. Fewer things are probable, but one thing is certain, and that's that you're alive. So go ahead and live life to its fullest. Of course, tomorrow is promised to nobody. Speak to you next week. Take care now. And be good.